Hello friends and folks and welcome back to Scanline Media's 2020 Gimmick Awards. We're here to talk about the the highs and lows, I would say, but today mostly highs of the uh, g year of 2020 in gaming and a little bit in anime, though no anime this category, that would be complicated. I'm Six Detmar. I'm Jennifer Uncle. I'm Kyrie Page. And we're here to talk about the best moment and, uh, you know, understand that best moment is just the phrasing we've got. We all know what we mean when we say that. Sometimes it's a little flexible. Um, and also, uh, traditional 2020, traditional, that's the wrong word, uh, but the, the uh, 2020 Gimmick Awards rule of one winner, but the number of uh, runners up that we think is appropriate. Uh, Jen, can you read our nominees, please? Sure thing. So we have weak point smashes in Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, getting revenge in Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, the, the Genova fight, those damn stairs, and breaking the timeline, all of which are from Final Fantasy VII Remake. We have the trial in Paradise Killer. We have the loyalty card and Theseus's tantrum in Hades. We have firing a general to fight them in Total War Three Kingdoms The World Betrayed. We have uniting the Nanmon in Total War Three Kingdoms Furious, Furious Wilds. We have the first night level in Umarangi Generation. Skinning a ship in Hard Space Shipbreakers. And deleting the game, which currently does not have a game title associated with it. Oh, okay. Okay, Girls Frontline. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did Girls Frontline come out th uh, in 2020? No, but it kept getting new content, and uh, my best moment of- uh, one of my best moments of 2020 was deleting it. Ah, <laughs> uh, I is... like that game, but- and I was- I was on the- the Girls Frontline train for two and a half years, and I was finally like, I'm- no, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm not playing this game anymore. I'll cut it. I just wanted to mention it. That indeed sounds like a pretty satisfying moment. Though not necessarily one that the game created itself. Oh, it created it. <laughs> it created it, alright. Uh, it was a hell of a build of months and months of playing the game as like a chore and then realizing that's what was happening. <laughs> Oh yeah, we should probably also mention that uh, this category will have some spoiler talk in it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think for most of these, it's not like the, you know what, just, just okay, the games that we mentioned, we're going to spoil. Ta-da! I can yeah. somewhat talk around the identity of the killer in Paradise Killer for the trial, but... Uh, well, that's because that's not the point of the trial, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, But... There are here be spoilers, yar. Mm -hmm. Um, so because I can make it quick, I'll talk. I'll talk real quickly about firing a general to fight them. Right. Mm -hmm. So I talked about playing as Lubu in the previous category as and, and how great that mechanic is. Um, and how he has like lists of like people he wa he wants to fight and how he gets like special bonuses. And there are, like, set bonuses and stuff, right? It's like, oh, you fight, you know, like, if you fight the brothers, the the, the four brothers, 
if you beat all of them, you get a bonus for each one of them and then a set bonus for beating all the four brothers, right? There's like a great generals, there's a mighty warriors, there's a, you know, like, it, you know, legendary tactician, blah, 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 right? And the moment I knew I was really embodying the Lu Bu mindset was when I was like one away from getting a set bonus. And the problem was the person to complete the set was my subordinate. So I couldn't fight them. And I was like, but if they didn't work for them anymore, I could fight them. <laughs> so I fired them and they jo- they got recruited by someone else. And then I went and killed them to complete my checklist. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, that was great. Um, it may be, it's probably not top material here. I can cut it, but I wanted to shout out that that just another great interaction from, from the year's best add on. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. And that's like, that's a cool mechanical interaction too, which I don't think sometimes like on these lists, it's like a lot of story stuff, but it is really cool Mm -hmm. to see moments that are just like a mechanical interaction with the game that Mm -hmm. just feels really satisfying. And along those lines, uh, skinning the ship, um, I guess specifically, so that's kind of the entire game of Hearts Brace Shipbreakers. What I meant by that choice of phrasing, Hard Space Shipbreaker is, of course, a game where you are taking uh, derelict or, you know, like salvage ships and breaking them down for parts, breaking them down to their components and, and salvaging them for money. Um, and the first time you're on a you're on a timer. And also, if you like, you're also like using up like oxygen and fuel that you have to buy refills of and stuff. It's it's brutal. And the first time you're good enough at a model of ship that you can strip it down to nothing, that there's nothing left and you have time to spare, that's the moment where you're like, yeah, now I'm living that blue collar life. That's good. Definitely. Like, I know we talked about it in the previous category, but it reminds me a little bit of like the really satisfying moments of cleaning up an entire house in the house flipper and or just rearranging things in House Flipper. So it's 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 like that moment except for what if House Flipper also had a timer and also there was a possi- like you had to remove the furnace from the house and the furnace could murder you if you got too close. Great. Awesome. Fantastic. It's, it's great. It's so good. That sounds really good. Yeah, I'm I'm not ready to lose that. Okay. Hmm. So can you ex? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna ask. Can you explain the loyalty card a little bit? I don't think I got to that in the eighties. Oh, you were on the stream when it happened. Yeah, um, you oh. get the loyalty card from. Um... So, yeah, um, one of the additions in the second to last big patch for Hades, uh, the last one before the launch patch, was the addition of a secret boss you can fight Charon. Um, the way you do that is you. Uh, he has sometimes when you walk into his shop, he just has a sack of money and you just take it. Oh yeah! And, he, <laughs> and there's a record scratch, and he turns and starts a, a a pretty tough boss fight. Um, and I died to him a couple of times. The first time I beat him was on stream. Um, and when you beat him, you get him down to like like you know like five percent HP left, and he stops the fight and he tosses you a, a loyalty card for his shop that gives you five percent off. <laughs> And that's like a. And it's so funny. Yeah, that's like. Is that a? Did we ever determine if that was like a permanent boon or was it just a? It's not. It's it's per run. You can do it again. <laughs> that's pretty great. You got to earn this loyalty card. Uh huh. Uh huh. And I mean, like, 
I had I had runs where I felt really good about my build, and I was going into Charon's shop, not because I wanted to buy anything, because I was hoping he would have the bag and I could steal it and get the loyalty card. Um, it became part of my part of my run strat. Um, I think that's one of the best moments in Hades. That is really funny. Like, besides like the obvious moments of like being in the game or beating a particularly tough boss, like that seems like just a fun little like that's a fun little moment for the players who are really invested in the game and are willing to push it to its limits. Because it's like it's a funny bit of like writing and context, and it also has great mechanical benefits, and also it's the reward for yeah a really hard optional boss. So that's great. I really like Theseus's tantrum too, though. <laughs> like, uh... oh, did you get to see that? Oh yeah, I've seen clips of it. Oh okay, yeah, it's so good. So this is a a multi run uh, arc where. Uh, so you have Theseus and the bull, right? And and Asterius, the uh the third boss of the game. And um Theseus is just a, a braggadocious shithead who's, you know, talking about how he's gonna kick your ass all the time and uh how you're not even worth worth killing and blah blah blah. He's just a cocky asshole. Um and if you do enough runs, if you beat him enough times, he just kind of has a meltdown. Um, where he's like, he's, he's like, well, listen, I like, I, you know, like he's, he starts doing his regular, like braggadocious, like, oh, you don't even stand a chance. And Asterius is like, I mean, King, not to be, you know, correcting, but he has kicked our ass over and over and thus starts like a multi run arc of him, like pouting <laughs> and being like, he, I believe there is a point where literally the, the last line before the fight starts is, well, then come and slay us again, Fiend, because clearly me and my friend are just here for you to beat us. <laughs> he's just like, he's just like moping and whining like a child. Um, there is a lot it's of, so funny. There, it's really funny. There is a lot of those types of moments in the game. Like the, uh, like I remember, um, Megara as well having a similar type of thing. She doesn't have a meltdown um as like as funny as Theseus is, but there is something very funny to like meeting Megara in the ostensibly the bar at like at the beginning of the game after you've beaten her enough times and she just tells you to fuck off. She's like, hey, you're making me look bad. I'm getting a performance review because of you. <laughs> yeah. They're bringing in my sisters because of you. And then you keep beating her sisters, and then sometimes you'll walk into the room and they're having a conversation, and they're like, and she's like, "What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Why can't I beat him?" And Megara's like, "See, <laughs> <sighs> yeah, they do a lot of really good things of like multi-run storytelling in that game." Mm -hmm. And Theseus's meltdown definitely um, fits like as a really fun one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially since it's almost it almost sort of turns into like a lover's quarrel with the the bull guy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and Asterius is just there being like, King, I really feel like you're overreacting. <laughs> <laughs> My liege. <sighs> Let's see. Um, should we try and chip at one of these three Final Fantasy VII remake moments? Yeah, I feel like... I feel like since this list is so expansive, I feel like 
maybe unless you feel it is really really something like maybe pick one of these moments for Final Fantasy 7 remake and I know the one that I'm the most like interested in I think the stairs is funny but I don't think it has a lot of staying power beyond that that's fair yeah I do quite like how it starts as almost like a leaderboard thing but inevitably Cloud just has shit stamina going up these stairs as does everyone else so like the final 10 to 15 uh, floors (laughs) you're just huffing and puffing as you're going up and all the characters are just tiredly shouting things at each other to kind of get each other pumped up. <laughs> yeah, it's... The other two moments here definitely have more thematic weight, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good interpretation of a joke from the original, but I don't think it stands out that much on its own. Mm-hmm. Right. So... Tell us a little bit about the Genova fight. So the really cool thing about the Genova fight is that in addition to being a very good boss fight, like one of the more standout ones in that game, like uh, it's just very well balanced. It has you doing a lot of things. Uh, it's pretty challenging. The it, It's one of the moments where the musicians really went hog wild with... Uh, like taking advantage of how long the fight was going to be and their budget to just make a whole lot of make a very long track for it where at some point when you get into the shit gets real category like the way that the music begins it's like a slight it's like taking various motifs from the genova theme and mixing it in but having it spread out more like drawn out more focusing on the the opening rhythm of it and a few of the moments there but when shit gets real it starts to work in some of the original midi um chiptune music that was found within that specific uh song for the playstation one and uh it's just this incredible up-tempo mix that combines that with uh a fantastic guitar backing and it makes that whole fight just, it pushes it over the edge into the, and okay, this, what is happening right now is fucking awesome territory. Yeah, it's, it's, I would say it's the best fight in the game. It's very, very cool. The music is amazing. Um, It does, like, I feel like a lot of the fights in Final Fantasy VII Remake kind of go on, like, are, are a lot longer than I would have made them myself. Um, But with the Genova fight, it feels mostly appropriate. I think um, it feels like it's supposed to be like an endurance test against this, you know, otherworldly monster. Um, I think it really works as opposed to like people talk a lot about the Hell House fight. The Hell House fight was like <laughs> 50 minutes long. It was the longest fight I've ever seen in any game. The Hell House fight was funny for like the first couple minutes, but then it, the joke got old. Because the thing just didn't take fucking damage. Yeah, it's. Like, I imagine there's a way to actually buff up against it and do better, but it doesn't match any of the other fights you've had, like, within that zone or within the rest of the game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you're just left spamming it until it goes down. Yeah, it's it's rough. Um, 
<sighs> so I it is it is like hard for me to imagine though us passing up the um the breaking the timeline moment at the end of of Seven Remake, which is kind of kind of the thing. Yeah, it's such a powerful move to be like, okay, we know that a lot of you were coming here to have this game that you love recreated in immaculate detail in these high fa- in these in this fancy graphic style and have everything voiced and all of that. And it's like we're not interested in doing that. We're interested in taking what is happening and uh turning it on its head, like introducing things that make it seem like one of the characters that died before the the original game started it looks like they might be being brought back <laughs> uh in addition to basically having the will of the fans or the will of the story at manifest within the throughout the game itself as ring wraith like ghost creatures mm-hmm. right because as far as i could tell like i didn't play the game i watched jen play it but there is something to like Sephiroth basically announcing that he is trying to change the timeline and is like that's such a ridiculous moment because it recontextualizes what Final Fantasy VII Remake actually is and you know just this like I think Sephiroth basically says like oh we don't know what the future looks like and that just feels like um the team at Square Enix basically saying we don't know if this is going to work or not and we don't know if we're going to get another chance at this <laughs> which they probably will that game sold very well oh yeah <laughs> they are absolutely going to get another crack at that because that game sold fantastically they've put so much into this particular remake as is that it feels like, well, I guess they did cancel Final Fantasy XV after it came out, but uh, <laughs> it, it feels very unlikely that they're just going to drop this midway through without finishing it up. Yeah, I think I, I personally read it more as like, you know, we like just reinforcing like, hey, we, you know, you thought you know how the story was going to go. You do not now. And, uh, you know, wait and see. Yeah. Um, but regardless very very powerful um very cool and yeah i don't know if if we're gonna have one of the final fantasy 7 moments i don't know which one we would i i guess i guess i would lean this but also if the genova fight one i wouldn't be i wouldn't be like mad i think you're right uh breaking the timeline takes priority okay um between the hades moments i guess i think the Theseus's tantrum is better. Yeah, yeah, same. The loyalty card is a fun is a fun thing, mm-hmm. but Theseus's tantrum definitely feels like a culmination of like how that game is structured and mm-hmm. how that game plays, and it's very good. Yeah, it's 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 something special. Um. I should probably... Okay. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I should probably just talk about the Black Ops Cold War thing, because it, it seems it would seem silly if Call of Duty ended up <laughs> staying on this list, but uh, it is a very interesting moment in a 
Like, the Black Ops series has always been where they get a bit more experimental than the others, just in terms of structure and what you're able to do, what you're able to enact within the campaign itself, and this is one of their more ridiculous endeavors, more or less. Mm -hmm. So throughout the game, it does have little moments where you can make choices and those affect how future levels will go, and that's been a thing they've been doing since, like, Black Ops 2, but... For this one, getting revenge, I'll just be talking about the ending here because there's a lot there's a lot to just explain about it. So essentially, as it turns out, that this whole time you've been a Russian agent that they more or less brainwashed into an MK Ultra situation to like fight against the Russians and prevent a actual nuclear war from breaking out. And they aren't very <laughs> nice about revealing any of this. Like, they clearly just see you as a piece of shit that they're taking advantage of in order to, like, get their own... Like, accomplish their own goals. And once you find all that out, you have a choice. You can either be like, Okay, I do know where this person that you're looking for is hiding. Uh, Perseus, I think. And I'll be able to tell you exactly where they are. Or you tell them where they are and what you're telling them is a lie. Well, you're setting up an ambush. Well, it that's, that's an optional part. If you've done the legwork earlier in the campaign. Uh-huh. Like, there's a door within the base where if you find the code and unlock the padlock that's there, you get access to a few extra things, like... Uh, a terminal where you can play Zork with an in-game keyboard, and that's kind of silly, but you also unlock a radio. So if you just tell them the wrong location and you fly over there, they're just like, well, that was a big waste of fucking time, and they shoot you. If you have unlocked that door beforehand, you have 30 seconds after giving them the wrong location to rush into that door, get on the radio being like, hey, guess what I did? They're going to be right over here. <laughs> And I'm leading them right to you. And after you do that, if you go that extra mile and uh, radio ahead after you've unlocked this door, like, as soon as you tell them the wrong location, everyone's text changes from the blue ally color to red. And uh, once you finally get there and you spring the ambush, the game switches to a triumphant sort of music as you're basically fighting against soldiers and the people you've been working for this entire game. And every time you end up killing one of the people who was on your team initially, it does a slow motion headshot. (laughs) Like a bullet cam. (laughs) Yeah, it's fucking rad as shit. That's great. Like, you're just absolutely obliterating the pieces of shit that, like, manipulated you the entire game. (laughs) Yeah, and then once all that is said and done, you meet up with the person who is supposedly the big bad, and he was like, hey, how about those chuckle fucks, huh? They really thought that I was just the one person rather than we had a whole network. Oh, these silly Americans. And then he gives you the honor of pressing a button to launch all the nukes in allied territories. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yep. (laughs) That's a very ridiculous way for that to end. Yep. (sighs) And it's, 
it's the only ending that has any sort of satisfaction because if you actually go ahead with uh like and do the quote unquote right thing to stop the nuclear war going on um from starting what happens is that uh the person who was your handler adler ends up being like Hey, let's go to this beach. How about that, huh? And then he just pulls a gun on you, and the two of you shoot each other. <laughs> it's interesting that they that they would put make that basically the 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 good ending. That's out of character for the series. It's also out of character for the game. Yeah, which like like <laughs> is is uh, it's amazing that they managed to fit this in between in between fucking licking Ronald Reagan's toes. <laughs> Yeah, and the sequence immediately before this, where you're actually breaking through your coding to kind of both find the answer and um, learn more about your brainwashing. Basically, they're guiding you through a series of events in Vietnam that you didn't actually go through. And Adler will be basically narrating it for you, but you can just go the other way. And he'll get increasingly angry, or he'll do things like... Oh, it turns out the place you crawled into was filled with zombies. How about that? Go the right way this time, you asshole. (laughs) Yeah, it it feels like someone on the Black Ops team is just constantly inserting weird shit like that. And for whatever reason, they really went for it this time. And yeah, it's an entertaining moment, but uh, it would feel weird to keep a Call of Duty game in the top three, considering everything they represent. <laughs> For sure. Still, it was pretty cool to sh- shoot the shoot the Americans in the head. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I support shooting shooting fucking imperialists in the head. Um, <laughs> uh, parody, 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 parody. Uh, <laughs> mailing this death threat to myself. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, Kyrie. Yes. You put weak point smashes from Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity on here, and boy, that that feels damn good. It feels really um, good. I don't know if it necessarily hangs, but I definitely wanted to shout it out, because most of the time, my impression of Musou games is when you fight a big enemy, it's just a big, like, sword sponge that you just kind of have mm-hmm. to chip, chip away at, whereas with weak point... So in the game, when you fight a particularly big enemy, they have this weak point gauge that shows up that as you land attacks at certain points in their animations, it wears down. And when it wears down completely, you get a special animation that um, deals a whole bunch of damage uh, all at once. My particular favorite is Young Impa. When she gets a weak point smash, she just summons a giant frog to squash the enemy. Um, it does rule and everybody kind of has like just a cool animation that they could do and i just felt it was like a really cool like mechanical thing to do with these big bad bosses that are in these muso games that i don't think have necessarily been done before and if they have correct me if i'm wrong but it i think they i think it has i think i think it's only been done in these spin-off games however it's not in the main series but like i think this sort of thing has been done in i mean first of all the main hyrule warriors but also in like uh some of the later uh dynasty wars gundams games and stuff right but i just felt that it was worth shouting out like i i like the story like i finally 
I actually finally beat Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, and I'm doing endgame stuff now. And there's some good story bits in here, but I don't think they necessarily are going to work on this list. But I definitely wanted to point out that, like, hey, it feels damn good to, like, wear down a Lionel's weak point. And then as you um, get the weak point smash button, Link riding on its back, slashing it, and then stabbing it right in the back. Mm-hmm. It feels really cool. And it feels really yep. fun to feels do. Great. Feels great. Yep. Combat in that game um, feels good, as it turns out. <laughs> I can eliminate uh, uniting the non-mon. Um, that is basically, you know, the Total War Three Kingdoms uh, DLC, Furious Wilds, is all about the non-mon people who, you know, we've talked about got the got the real short sh- shrift in the uh, in the novel, and uh, we're we're very much like summarily dismissed as as uh, barbarians and idiots. Um, and that makes it very satisfying that one, um, unlike the the Han generals, when you are playing as the non-mon and you beat another non-mon tribe, you have an option to basically just like shake hands and form an alliance. Um, the 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 Han basically can be like either I'm going to kill you or you work for me, don't ever question me again. But the non-mon can be like, hey, listen, clearly I need to be in charge, but, like, we're equals here. Let's just go take care of business. Let's drive these people out of our land. Um, and so if if you go that route, and it's tricky because it's very possible for outside forces to kill one of the, one of the non-mon leaders, but if you play it right, you can unite all the non-mon people under one umbrella and everybody is like given like a position of leadership and and treated with respect and you just move on to go crush these fucking assholes and it feels good yeah jen why don't you talk about the trial okay so ostensibly you're in paradise killer you're here to solve a number of murders that happened in a room and uh while you're gathering evidence and stuff like that, a bunch of other mysteries pop up at the same time. So after doing all of that legwork, and once you're confident, you tell the judge to, okay, let's start the trial. And the trial is when things get really buck wild in an already buck wild game. Like, uh, essentially, things start coming together in ways that you may have expected them not to when you were doing the legwork and looking at things just because you couldn't see the full picture. The trial is where you can look at a particular piece of it, figure out who's guilty for doing X, and if you end up being right on the money for some of those choices, those characters will be like, well, fuck this. I'm going to rat out this other person. <laughs> and suddenly... Yeah, that's the... That's definitely the thing that I think makes it, like, really special. Because a lot of it just feels kind of, like, at first, like, they're doing a very flashily presented, but they're just doing Phoenix right. Um, but then you get that moment where, like, depending on the person's personality, because there are, there are people who won't do this, but 
um, the person's like, oh, you got me. Okay, I'm just going to lay this all out here. Like, I'm just going to, like, if I'm going down, all of you are going down with me. And they're, and they're fucking, uh, their, co- their cohorts are like, you fucking idiot. We could have salvaged us. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, the being found guilty on this uh, specific Paradise Island is not good for you because it involves uh, the main character, Lady Love Dies, taking out her pistol and fucking executing you on the spot <laughs> once all of the once all of the trial bits have gotten out of the way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, people have every reason to be like, hey, I'm just going to rat out these other people. <laughs> but uh, there's that, and there's also the fact that there are people who may be involved with something that... You get to know them, and you think that, A, maybe they don't deserve to get shot with a pistol. So <laughs> you have the opportunity, even though the game never actually explicitly tells you, to basically fudge the truth or leave certain people out of it so that they don't, so that they can live a little longer. And my problem with that is, I mean, it's a problem that I'm going to get back to, I think, in other other categories when we talk about it. But the way the game basically presents it, like, well, first off, in the trial, if someone is is involved, if someone is proven to be involved, they are executed. Then once the trial ends, you get the option of, like, hey, if you think there's anyone you missed, you can execute them yourself or you can exile them, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I guess two things. One, that does kind of undermine the trial that you don't have to prove them guilty to go shoot them. Like, what's the point of proving them guilty then? As long as you prove one person guilty, then you can just go clean house afterwards. Um, I think that's a little silly. And then also the fact that those are the two punishments. There are people who are guilty, but they're not guilty enough that they need to spend literally eternity in exile or be murdered and that those are the only punishments feels bad and i think it undermines the trial yeah they're cut well initially i thought the exile thing was a little bit less of a big deal because there are some characters here who explicitly very much want to leave uh paradise behind but uh but you were in exile, and what exile means is they build you a box and dangle it above their island for the rest of eternity. Yeah, and it's a very comfortable box, but it still sucks. Yeah, they still make it clear at the start of the game that you haven't spoken to anyone in, like, a thousand years. Yeah. So. So it sounds like the trial like was good but doesn't it but is a little bit undermined by it's like the rest of the game yeah i think i think the way the game wraps up um does the trial a disservice but the trial is very cool i could see it making the top um if it were to go i think it would be because like the the sentencing stuff is not great should we, before we make that decision, should we get into the first night level of Umarangi Generation? Honestly, I don't think it's going to make it, so we should just cut it. Okay. That whole game is pretty Do cool, you... though. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like if you're going to pick a moment, that's the moment. And you know what I mean. Yeah, right? totally. 
We'll talk about it in the in the game of the year category, I'm sure. But I don't think since it doesn't doesn't feel like it has a serious shot, I think we can we can drop it right now. And I think we should take these four: the trial, Theseus's tantrum, breaking the timeline, and skinning a ship, and make them the top. I think this should be our our. I think we should do four. Okay, I'm cool with that. Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. And I think, hmm. But the winner, I think, I think the winner is between Theseus's tantrum and breaking the timeline. Yeah, I don't think skinning the ship or the trial can win. Right. I think those are those sound like really cool moments, but I think. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Here's here's a here's a, a late addition. That time I was playing Black Ops Cold War and I shot a guy with a revolver and he had his head fo- he had his mic on and he went fuck. Fuck. <laughs> Were you fighting Alan? <laughs> <laughs> You'd think. Um honestly, okay, here's where I'm thinking. I think Theseus's tantrum is a really cool mo- series of moments that kind of does a slow build, right? Whereas breaking the timeline is just so like earth-shattering. Mm-hmm. I think in the spirit of the like a singular moment, I think breaking the timeline really came out of nowhere for a lot of different people and for fans of the of Final Fantasy 7 and what people were expecting with this game and it was kind of a it was a gutsy move to basically say you know fuck what you expect i'm going we're going to go this completely other direction you're here for the ride yeah like to be clear final fantasy 7 one of the best selling games of all time they could have played it safe and we're just like okay we're just lengthening everything and a lot of people would have been okay with that but they decided to take one of the biggest franchises ever, one of the biggest games in the biggest franchise ever, and uh, basically go, I know what you want right here. It's not what we're interested in. So please, please give us the space to tell something new with these characters, tell a new story with these characters. And I don't think they, (laughs) they stopped asking politely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they i mean they they represented the concept of people wanting a, a loyal remake as these hateful ghosts <laughs> yeah. so they're not asking um, and i like there is a part of me that's like but i mean i'm sure other people doing awards are going to give an award to breaking the timeline let's do something different let's buck trends and i'm like shut up hipster so they're going to give the award to breaking the time yeah it's one of the few moments where like I often feel like I lean towards uh, focusing more on indie stuff or awards like this just because it feels like they deserve it more and stuff like that. But in this case, the... 50 million Frenchmen can't be wrong. <laughs> the, in this case, the enormity of Final Fantasy VII's legacy and stuff like that kind of does a lot for it in this moment. I would just say it is rare to see like something in the AAA space be genuinely surprising and take a chance really i mean like i think you know it's 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 met with such universal acclaim it's been such a good game that it's easy to think that this was not a chance but they are staring down final fantasy 7 which is presented as one of the best games of all time 
and to many people, like, the best JRPG ever made, and saying, no, fuck that. That was risky. They could have had a real bad fan backlash, and they're like, we don't care. We don't want to tell that story again. We told it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's like, if you want that story again, you can play Final Fantasy VII on modern platforms nowadays. Here, they Mm -hmm. want to tell a brand new story with these characters that people are so clearly attached to. And that is a huge risk, especially considering... Like, I would say, like, Square Enix is in a slightly better position than it is now with the success of Final Fantasy fourteen, like, kind of, like, bankrolling them at this point. Mm-mm. No? Well, you're right in that Final Fantasy fourteen is doing a lot for them, but they also just did spend a whole lot of money on that Avengers game, and that thing just... Whew, <laughs> that was a bomb. We didn't even we didn't even think to put it. Should we put it on hottest mess? I guess we, we should. Sh- I'm adding we it. We kind of should, yeah. But like until you mentioned it, it obviously belonged there. I didn't even think of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so it, you're right. Instead of taking this surefire bet of just remaking Final Fantasy VII, they were like, if you want the same story, you're either a <laughs> you're a hateful ghost. <laughs> And we're gonna tell we're gonna tell something brand new here, mm-hmm. and I think that's worth recognizing. I do as well. Well, thank you, everyone, for for being with us for this conversation about the best moment, which is of course breaking the timeline from Final Fantasy VII Remake, a runners up the trial from Paradise Killer, Theseus's tantrum from Hades, and skinning a ship from Hard Space Shipbreaker, the little game that could. Uh, on, uh, no, I guess Paradise Killer is also an indie game. Okay, two indie games in the top. Well, three. Kind. I mean, Hades is ha- calling Hades indie is a little. They got money. <laughs> I mean, they're not triple A, but they are like double A. You know? I guess, yeah. Though triple I. Yeah, I hate that. So sure. Much. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck they, everything. Yeah, they they did just kind of. Uh, do one dirty on various other languages for their using community translators and all that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, join us for our, our next category. We've only got a couple left. I've already, I've decided I do have to put these up pretty much in the order we recorded them because we're making references to other categories and the timeline will be fucked if I don't do it right. So. <laughs> well, uh, we'll see how this goes. We could do it like, yeah, uh, so I- we could do it like that one anime that everyone likes that aired everything in, that aired everything out of order, and uh, what anime, what would, that anime be, would that be, Jennifer? <laughs> I know the answer. Do you? <laughs> I know what it is. I just forget the name. Uh huh. All right. Sounds convincing. All right. Thanks everyone for joining us. We'll see you later when An- Jen knows what an anime is. <laughs> it's Haruhi. what say that again say that again say that again i dare you a double t it's haruhi say haruhi one more time you're only saying it haruhi because i corrected you (laughs) i 